This is Capello Talks, the podcast. In this episode, Dave Clark, Capello DOC, Martin Fairn, CEO of Gazing and Abby Sadler, head of women's coaching at Capello, talk about mental preparation and the role that coaches play in that and how they can use Gazing's Red to Blue program to help. I'd like to uh, once again welcome Martin and Abby. Um, you've uh, heard them on podcasts with me before talking about mindset and the mental game. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at um, mental preparation and how coaches prepare players uh, individually and in teams to deal with pressure situations. And um, we're particularly, uh, we're going to talk about, um, you know, the return to, uh, to having crowds in football matches that happened uh, and, and how players can respond to that. Um, we also will look at how England in, in the Euros and that uh, famous penalty shootout where England missed three penalties with players who have practised and know how to take them because we've seen them score before. Um, plus, um, we'll also bring into all that the Olympics uh, and the, I mean, so many factors uh, that happened in the Olympics. Um, and this is all to do with how uh, red to blue and various other tools can help you. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to bring in Martin here as, as he's the, uh, the expert uh, on this kind of thing. Uh, hi, Martin. Great to see you here. Hi, Dave. Nice to see you again. Hi, Abby. Nice to hi. see you. So, well, look, I, um, look it's, a, it's a great subject and it's, it's a subject we will not be able to do full justice to in, in the time that we have. But it's a really interesting. And I imagine in bars and cafes and areas of places of work, there's lots of conversations about this. Like, why weren't we, we ready? Why wasn't this athlete ready? Why wasn't this team ready? Um, for uh, the situation that they faced. But I mean, it, it start with crowds as an example. Mm. And it's a good, it's a, a year ago, maybe a little bit more, we could well have been talking about uh, how players prepare to play uh, not in front of crowds um, or with no crowds, sorry, uh, because uh, and how different that's going to be and how strange it will be. It's a remarkable indication of how quickly um, humans can adapt that actually, as we went through the last sort of 12 months, football, cricket, rugby, all of these professional sports, you know, put on some pretty good performances. And for a while, it looked like actually the lack of crowds was not having a major effect on the quality of some of the games and some of the performances. Some people were arguing actually players were freer and playing better um, on that. But now we go back to what really top-class athletes do expect and prepare for, which is the idea that they're playing in front of 8,000, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 fans. And and there's no doubt that that will be a significant shift again and impact on the player's mentality. So there's a good question to ask, which is how much work has the coach done and the team done together to prepare themselves for that return? Um, The noise and the feeling that comes with uh, having people call your name either um, with joy uh, or with a little bit more venom behind it. Yeah, I guess uh, I, I guess you you also have to bring into that the fact that uh, referees who have uh, spent the last season uh, make, making decisions and, and not getting the noise of the crowd telling them that they've got it wrong, uh, or, or telling them that they should be making decisions when they're not, and um, all these factors really play a, a major role, don't they, in how the individual uh, thinks and how how the players think. 
Um, I, I, I know uh, myself, and I, I know you're a Leeds United fan like myself, Martin. I know how the crowd at uh, Ellen Road, where Leeds play, can can often, uh, you know, they can they can often make the team uh, panic and and put put so much pressure every time they get the ball. The noise that they want, they want to see the ball go at the attack and the, the head towards the goal. And um, th- these are the kind of things that that we, we can talk about in, in the men's game. But Abby, you, you, uh, you've spoken as well about how uh, the girls' game can be slightly different. Yeah, I guess they experience, the way the female game is at the moment, experience lots of different crowd noise from uh, 100 people at a game to some clubs in WSL to when they get the opportunity to then go and play at Old Trafford in front of 60,000, 70,000 fans. And you've seen it the way the, the female game's growing. Crowds are getting bigger and bigger, but in championships, so in tier two of women's football and in, in potentially some games, not so many now, but you're looking at the hundreds. So coming back in and how do we spoke about during the pandemic going from no crowds to lots, but for a season where one week they can be in front of X amount of fans and another week they can be in front of a lot more, and those fans, how much noise and like it differentiates between each game. Um, so as a coach, how you're preparing, how would you prepare for one week to the next, even not knowing how many fans? You spoke about Ellen Road. You know when those Leeds players are going to turn up. You know how many fans are going to be at. You know what the atmosphere is going to be like. But from a female perspective, there's maybe not so much heckling from the crowds. as what you get from a men's game so do you think it affects like female players as much as maybe it could potentially affect for the good and for the bad I guess yeah I I think that that's true I mean it's a good perspective some people use the pressure as a catalyst and one of the main sources of pressure is the people uh, who are watching what you're doing Uh, and whether that's a hundred or ten thousand or a hundred thousand Mm-hmm. Um, they can be a source of uh, like a catalyst, like a motivator, a motivation. And there are lots of athletes who say they really thrive on that, 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 pre- that pressure, the expectation of that pressure from the crowd. I think the main thing that when we start with working with teams or individuals, we often ask, you know, where do you feel the pressure comes from? One of the first answers is um, expectations. A lot of that comes from expectations on themselves. And I think most of the players, whether they're men or women, will be able to describe that the higher up the game, the, the greater the expectations on, on, of, of themselves on how they play and how well they play and how consistently they play. But then, of course, there are others who have expectations of them. Uh, that would be true of their coaches. It would be true of their teammates. It would be true of, their, uh, of in some cases, younger for younger players, the parents and the other you know, people around them. But as you get to the elite end of the game, there will be expectations of fans. So the first thing is to acknowledge that those expectations exist. They're part of the environment that you're going to go into. The second often described source of pressure is what what we sometimes call scrutiny. It just basically means people looking at what you're doing. And of course, as soon as you put a crowd, I mean, any people who've ever played golf um, and, and, you know, you normally tee off and there's nobody there watching. And then as soon as there's two other people who are waiting to play, all of a sudden the pressure increases. Um, you, what you thought was a relatively easy golf shot ends up you shank it into the pond um, because some two people were watching. So there's an impact that scrutiny that people watching has on, on, on the feeling that you have around being able to do what you do. So the key thing, I think, from a mental skill perspective is, first of all, to acknowledge 
the expectation of of everybody around you to do well to play again whether that's on the park whether that's at school or whether that's in an elite situ- uh, performance situation and then the second thing is to prepare you for the environment that you're going to encounter and, and i i wonder how much of that was deliberately done or how much players suffered from that in terms of the environment as you prepare for the crazy 80,000 people shouting and screaming or the ellen road experience or even when you go and play at a park and there's only 50 people watching. Um, but it's the environment that you're playing in and being ready for that is one of the first steps you can do in terms of preparing your mental skills. Because uh, if it's a surprise when you turn up, then that's going to be unhelpful, I would suggest. Yeah, and, and I, I, I guess we're talking here because it's because football's a team game and you, t- you know, we, we, we're discussing the hundreds and thousands of people that, that watch a, a Premier League football match. But when we look back at our, uh, you know, seven v seven games with the the under nines um, and the under tens, um, then it might just be one person on the touchline. It might just be their dad or their mum who who yes. is putting the pressure on them, and they and they can feel that pressure. Uh, yes. You know, I, I've seen that a lot, and I'm sure um, I'm sure Abby has as well. The the pressure that that you get as an individual within a team game um, can be can be enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that I think that I would put that because it sometimes because it's a team game it, it it really does help you though doesn't it you know even though there's a lot of crowd there it's when it's the it's the individual moments within those uh, within that game uh, like like for the for the young for the youngsters it's you know when they get the ball and they're running with it and, and everyone starts shouting uh, it's a lot a lot harder when the individual moments come up I guess. Um, you know, we're talking about technically uh, they can do it, but that influx of pressure causes them to, to lose whatever it was that they had. And I think so. I, th- I think so. You know, when, when we look at spotlights in games, that that then does bring us to England and the Euros uh, and England and the Euros and how uh, moments of pressure like taking penalties can can suddenly uh, put change what you technically can do and make mm-hmm. it much more difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, look, this is a is a terrific topic, and and there's lots of perspectives on it. We just have one um, really from our perspective around red to blue, and that's to do with the mental preparation and the way your mindset can be impacted by those situations, and maybe what you can do to prepare for it. A lot of the time, uh, a lot of work is done on what I would call the tactical or technical execution. So whatever it is you're going to do, a lot of attention goes on that. And actually, you, there's a good case for saying from a mindset perspective, the more work, the better prepared you are technically and tactically. So you can you know what you're going to do and you can do it really well lots of times. That's going to help you. But what I sometimes feel like doesn't happen is and, and everybody, I think, watching, probably everyone who is a fan of sport would have felt for those England players that, that first of all, were put in the position to take the penalty. And I know I'm not going to second guess Gareth, Gareth Southgate and the team. It was something they'd worked on and, and they decided that was the right thing to do. But I wonder how well prepared those players were, those young players were, for the feeling of being put into that pressure situation and how that could impact what had clearly been a well-practiced, well-rehearsed routine around the penalties. So there's a big case, a strong case for preparation for taking the penalty, but there's also a case, it, it, from our perspective, for mental preparation 
to predict how you're going to feel and, and to give them some tools, a language, a way of dealing with that in the moment. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. got any um, examples of how you could prepare players, whether that be like Dave said earlier around that young under nines boy or girl who's yeah. got parents, as we know, it still happens in grassroots football on the side, shouting to an England player stepping up and taking a penalty at a Euro semi final? It, it, it's, it's, this is going to sound simple, but a lot of the stuff that affects us mentally is when things happen that we weren't really expecting or, or they happen in a way that we weren't expecting them to happen. So everybody says it's going to be really pressurised when you play, I don't know, in a big game or you get a chance to take a penalty when it matters a lot. Or I'll give you an example of we're just working with two motor racing drivers at the moment who normally race in front of a few hundred people. And um, because of the way that the W Series, the, this is Alice and... Um, and Abby, um, uh, um, they were asked to race at Silverstone. So they got to race at Silverstone in front of 140,000 people. And for those of you who, you know, think maybe you can't hear the crowd in, uh, in, a, in a motor racing car and a helmet, you could hear 140,000 people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we did a lot of work on, on them both with was actually to expect the noise and the um, atmosphere, they, which you can literally feel when you're there. But what you can do, uh, Abby, is first of all, you can expect it to be like it was so that it's not a surprise. But then the second thing is to ensure that you, uh, your attention is utilised in a more helpful way. So to ensure that you've got your attention very specifically on the preparation routines or as they were sitting waiting to go out on the track before the race, they had a series of checklists to go through to get themselves ready. So there's two things I say that you can think for individuals and teams. Prepare for the environment that you're going to experience so that it's not a surprise. Prepare for how that's going to feel and then make sure that you can get your attention back on these are very helpful things that I can do to make sure I can get my attention on the routine because it's the routine that they've practiced that's going to give them the best chance of being successful, for example, scoring the penalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so... So, 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 yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good example. How, how do they deal, though, with how do you create crowd pressure, though? Uh, say you're practising it. What, what do we do to put pressure on them? Well, um, there are some people who use uh, visualisation in some way to, to, try and, to, to try and imagine what it would be like. I mean, we've got pretty good imaginations as humans anyway. That, um, or you can just predict it's going to be, you can describe it. You can, we practice with scenarios. We just get them to say, this is the situation. And actually, if you lay out the scenario, you can be pretty creative um in doing it eventually i'm sure we're going to be using things like virtual reality and stuff like that to, to put yourself in that situation you will never be able to 100 percent recreate a penalty taking scenario but that doesn't stop the value of trying to get as close as you can to how it's not only going to how it's going to feel when you're in that position and then some of the challenges and the risks you might experience from a mindset perspective so you can get your attention into a useful place because if your attention's in the right area, there's a better chance that you'll be able to execute, as I said, the penalty that you've practiced many times. Um, that, 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 and, and, that, and that's true in every sport. You know, the collapse of the England cricket team yesterday, they didn't suddenly become bad cricketers overnight. But were, did they react well to that tension and pressure and intensity 
of the final day and the pressure put on them by the opposition and, and the crowd, which was as much Indian as it was English. Um, and I don't know whether they'd done the, I don't know whether they'd done the preparation mentally to be ready for that so that they're able to think clearly in that situation. So I suppose what, what, we're, what we're coming around to uh, saying really is that the coach uh, has a responsibility and, and, and should uh, take in things like red to blue and should use these to help the players because uh, whatever age they are and, and, and whatever level they're playing at, they're always going to have uh, these pressures on them. You know, the, the, the other pressure that came out of this was that... Um, it's not the fact that you've got three players who miss a penalty and everyone's upset about that. You, it, it gathers momentum and then pressure's coming in from on, on social media. On, on They go home and they see the TV. They, they hear, you know, they hear play, fans chanting about them. Pressure, pressure. And, and, and it all must come down to the coach because the coach, especially in youth football, is the, he's, the, he's the guy we all look to. He's the guy we turn to and look on the touchline. Is, is everything okay? Because uh, I'm not feeling great, but I can look and turn and look at you. And so a coach has to be able to deal with that, doesn't he, Martin? <laughs> yeah. And if your coach is jumping up and down and screaming and shouting and showing both ends of the emotional spectrum, I'm never sure how helpful that is. You really want somebody who can calmly say, get your attention on those things that are going to be helpful. What typically happens, Abby, I mean, you, you will have taken many more penalties than I will have done, is your attention shifts to the outcome. I, am I going to win or am I going to score or am I not? Mm -hmm. Am I going to miss? And, and that, that outcome is immediately a threat to you because it, it means your attention's not on the specific steps in the, in the penalty-taking process that you've practised many times. Yeah, and I guess... Like Dave said, then the coach like plays such an important part in the fact that we still want the coaches to be like set the right environment, make sure the players feel like I've said before, females feel kind of wanted and valued and they allow an environment where players can make mistakes, especially at youth games. So it's finding that balance of like not trying to create all these pressures, but maybe just trying to, I'm sure you've done it in the past, Dave, just trying to adapt practices where there's maybe an element of competition where there's maybe yeah. an element of a little bit of pressure with different players, whether that's pressure to just communicate, lead a bit of a social group, or whether that's a pressure of their one against two, or just trying to tweak your set practices and your practice design to allow for different elements. We're not saying that their players are going to be standing up and taking a, a, a penalty kick in a Euro final but that same pressure is felt if you're in a seven-a-side summer tournament and you're that last one to stand up and take a penalty or you're one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper or you've got an attacker coming to you as a defender so I guess like practice design and the way you communicate to the players we're not asking coaches to go in and all of a sudden lift all these pressures and be this tough loving coach it's just about maybe adapting sessions. That's uh, 100% right, Abby. If, you, if, if the, the really good coaches do this already, by the way, whether they use mm -hmm. red to blue as the framework for describing it or not, they already do this. They, they introduce into the, the everyday practice sessions that they have ways of creating pressure to cause people to have, first of all, to experience what it's like, and secondly, have to adjust and adapt and, and work out how to keep playing and keep doing what they're supposed to do in that situation. And they do that. And as, quite rightly, as you say, pressure, the feeling of pressure, whether it's a penalty taking or whether it's, you know, two on one and you've only got a few seconds left and you've got to make the score. That feeling 
is the same. And if you've got your teammates watching you or some, I've seen some coaches put the teammates around the outside and start clapping and shouting and, you know, making the sort of noise. Um, I'm going to give just a little example. So some of um, people your age and my age, Dave, will remember Sally Gunnell. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, and Sally Gunnell, who, who was a tremendous uh, runner, hurdler, um, and won gold medal. She was world record holder, won the world championships as well. Um, and she, uh, before Barcelona, uh, the day before the final of her race, because she'd never raced in that environment before, went to the track at exactly the same time that she was going to go to the track the next day and basically went in and sort of allowed herself to hear what it would be like and experience what it would be like. So she, when she arrived the next day, it wasn't a surprise to her. She could concentrate on her routine and playing. And I think that's a really, you know, you know, you uh, an atmosphere with, with a lot of crowds screaming and shouting is an atmosphere with a lot of crowds screaming and shouting. And, and if you can just experience a little bit of that, then you're a little bit further forward down your preparation for the moment when you have to perform in front of that crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, sometimes, um, you know, I, I, was, I think um, the expectation of coaches, uh, when you see the experience that they have, uh, it's just sometimes about getting understanding across to the kids because, um, you know, I, I can remember I, I was running some sessions once when I first started coaching and I, I was obviously not, the kids just didn't understand what I wanted them to do. And so the pressure was suddenly was massively on me because I couldn't get them to understand what, what it was they wanted. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, as, as I've, done more and more coaching it's things like that that you you know you prepare a lot better you you create things and if they don't understand then you show them a different way um you know yes yesterday i was um with um andy Martial at go for goal and we we, we have uh three or four new coaches and 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 you know that all, all the things that andy as head coach wants to get across uh come out and I'm, some of them i was thinking i bet some of these coaches will find that quite difficult because um when you're out there coaching it's quite easy but suddenly you have all everyone comes in as other coaches are watching you um and and getting that understanding across um i, I think what you know that's one of one of the things of red to blue isn't it when you're uh, you have your mindset has to be you have to be in control to help them be in control oh look I mean, how many times we, I, I run sessions and, and, and deliver training and coaching to people. Both of you do it in the context of football and stuff like that. How many times have you suddenly stood there and your mind's gone blank and you think, oh, no, I'm not quite sure what I should be doing. And, and that's so red to blue from our perspective is as practical and useful for coaches as it is for the players. Um, because coaching from the red side is just as difficult as playing from the red side is so if you can be really clear you do your preparation and you get ready and you've got a clear lesson plan that allows you to create the right environment for the and that would be true whether you're coaching six seven eight year olds or whether you're coaching a bunch of elite um, athletes same thing will be true yeah it's 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 you know a, a lot of it um comes down to that being watched idea isn't it you know i'm, I'm being watched i'm being Someone, someone is, someone is uh, watching me. Someone is, uh, is judging me in many ways. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I think Abby, you've probably found that uh, as as well because you've coached at different levels in the same way. You coach adults and 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 girls. So, um, and they have different ideas that that come through. Absolutely, and just putting myself in that 
the shoes of a coach who say has been watched for a coaching badge or has been watched for some feedback on a session you do you're there and you're like they're watching me and other things go through your mind rather than you usually just turn up and you've got your routine and you do it but once you've been watched once it's it's pressured and you're like but the more you do it like you said the more you get used to it and actually preparing yourself when I am being observed, say, for a session, for some feedback or just for some some learning, it's like you were saying, Martin, putting myself, like, actually thinking about it, thinking about what it might feel and be like and preparing myself for when I go in um, yeah. and knowing that not accepting that not everything's going to go to plan, but that's okay yeah. because yeah. That's life and that happens. Just like a player, they're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're exactly right. I think that yeah. the more coaches can prepare themselves – and think about all the things you just said, Martin. That's only going to help the players too. Oh, it couldn't. And, and we think about young players. And if if, if you, we talk about the red side and giving people permission to, first of all, to make mistakes, which is part of growing and development. And you, you, so first of all, going, you're going to make mistakes. doesn't matter whether you think you're the best player in the world or you think you're okay. You're going to make mistakes. You will do. And then to be okay with feeling bad about those mistakes it's 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 perfectly human to feel bad again whether you're elite or whether you're just starting out on the park or at school but then the question is that feeling eventually has to come to an end so that you can get back on with the game and the longer that lasts one second two seconds five seconds ten seconds 20 seconds however many minutes you feel bad about it the, the more detrimental it is to to your game or to you being able to play or perhaps for children or to you enjoying what you're doing and so enabling young players to feel okay with making a mistake, feel okay with how they feel with it, but then to get their attention back onto what they're doing, that's a, it's a life skill as well as a football skill. Yeah, and I, I think back to um, when I was coaching more in the elite game, so players, and we spoke a lot around putting speed bumps purposely in the road because, and it happens the same in grassroots. You see certain players, they always start games, they always end games. Actually, what about a player coming off, starting on the bench all of a sudden, different yep. pressure, different feeling, or actually setting different challenges for them in, in training. So not being afraid, I guess, to almost put in those speed bumps for players, not for them to necessarily fail, but for them to come against a challenge or a different challenge in order to prepare, prepare them better for their long-term development, I guess. Um and likewise, putting ourselves as coaches into different positions so we can learn and then not being seen as a bad thing. And you look at the Olympics now and some of the individual stories, the reason they've achieved what they've done is because they failed in the past. Failed, if you want to call it failed, but they've yeah. had those setbacks, whether that be injury, whether that be they've just lost out on a gold medal. You look at Tom Daly, he's tried and tried for a gold medal and he's finally won his gold medal now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There have been some brilliant stories. And, and, and if part, part of this is our relationship with pressure and our relationship with expectations. And, and I, I sometimes get asked by parents, you know, I want you to teach my son or daughter to win. And my answer is, look, I, I probably don't. They know how to do that. They know what that feels like. They know how to do that. Probably what will be helpful is to help them understand what it's like to not be successful, to lose occasionally, and to make sure they get as much learning as they can do so that there is, they build up that resilience to be able to move forward when they do. And you mm -hmm. start to do that and you're starting to build a real mentally strong young person 
who will then translate into whatever sport it is that they they can do. That's part of the value of, of coaching in the way you're just describing, allowing those mistakes to happen, expecting them to happen, and then making sure we learn from them so we can move forward. And you can only do that if your attention is in well, what we would call on the blue side, not the red side. Yeah, actually, um, that, that some of those some of those things, Abby, are really good. The, the, the sitting on the bench one is uh, one of the ones I I use a lot because it's a totally different um, pressure on a player who's coming on uh, halfway through a game. You might be coming on when the team are, are losing heavily, or they, and they suddenly they they in a game a hundred miles an hour as opposed to when they when we're starting a game and it's you know we're a team and we, we and it's a lot more individual like that i think um martin you know mental skills um probably came in on individual sports things like tennis where they've they've talked about it a lot haven't they and you see all the tennis players they have all their little individual things that they do in between points or when they're sitting at the thing, they all have, they bounce the ball 20 times or whatever they have created to get their mind back on and into that point. And, and uh, things like sports games, like football, um, th- this is a, a whole new area uh, for coaches. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and, and sometimes when you look into that, I'm sure a lot of coaches think, well, you know, that, that might, that isn't my role really, but it's a huge role, isn't it now? And it's becoming bigger and bigger. And, and it is things like red to blue that, um, that help. I mean, you know, it massively helps helped me as a coach to get across to my players, uh, what the points within red to blue are. So I, I think that's, um, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a new idea, isn't it? For, for a lot of coaches. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that um, that's going to, to, to happen more and more in football now. I, I think football's been really slow. I've said before in the last, really slow to take on the role that coaches can have and the, the practicality, it, it, mentality and the mindset and mental skills or, or um, it's still treated as a, as a trip to the dentist. It's still treated as though you're trying to repair something that's wrong. And, and, and you know, one of my big observations to these young athletes we get the, the, the pleasure to work with or coaches we're working with is, you work so hard on your physical preparation. You work so hard on your technical preparation. You do so much work tactically to make sure that people learn how to play the game. Why would you not work hard in the same way on your mental skills and your mental preparation? Look at all the scenarios. Create different scenarios, like Abby just said, so that the, you're, you're, you're developing the expectations of these young athletes as a team, individuals, so that when these situations occur, because they will, when they do occur, they're mentally ready as well as technically, tactically, and physically ready to do it. And it, it's a, I, it, it, it baffles belief sometimes that the work isn't embraced at the real senior level by, by coaches. They might say it is, but there's lots of evidence when you watch everything from your international teams playing to, you know, junior teams playing that it's not done at the level, or, or even if it is done, it's not done in the way it, it could be to, to get the best benefit. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. And I, I, I think that um, when it when it's an individual, well, do you think when it's an individual sport? You know, when, when I watch the uh, one of the things we always watch in my my boys and my family, we love the the hundred meters uh, relay. The hundred meters relay has always been something that we we watch. And 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 this year, 
Um, it was such a dramatic ending. And, you know, I, the, the, the man from Italy, I mean, we won, you know, we were up in arm, we won. And then it was 0.01 second uh, um, that the, 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 the English runner, the last sprinter. And you could see, even though they'd once, I mean, he was absolutely distraught. Um, but how do we how do we deal with that kind of thing? Because I guess that's like the little kid who who gets past the, the football and he's got an open goal and, and 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 he scuffs it past the post. There are moments like that that we have to deal with, aren't there? Yeah, uh, look, I, I I you know so you're, you're ten you're, you're twenty meters from the line. Um, there's half a second to go, and you're in the lead. Uh, it's likely that you're going to tighten up. Uh, my my limited knowledge of athletics says you're probably going to tighten up. When you tighten up in running, you slow down. It seems diff- odd, doesn't it? But you didn't. Your, your muscles slightly slow yourself down. And it doesn't need much slowing down, moving at that speed, to move from being 0.01 second ahead to being 0.01 second behind. And and the for, for me, elite coaching is about recognizing. So when you get to that point, if you do, when you do, here are some things you can do to ensure that your attention is focused and your muscles are relaxed and everything is that you're that you're you're staying, you know, uh, at the at the sort of physical state that you need to to ensure that you're getting the absolute maximum amount of your physical performance, your technical performance. So where does your attention go? What do you do? And you know, people will say that's ridiculous. He couldn't possibly do that. I, I just think that's what elite coaching is about. And so for me, it's about preparing for the expected and the unexpected and just sitting down and go, what could happen? What are we likely to want to have to do about it? As Abby just said. So when you come off the bench with five minutes to go, how will that feel? And how, what are you going to do to make sure you get yourself in the game and you contribute in the most effective way? Those questions, I think, are the responsibility of the player to prepare for but also for the coach to get them ready for. And of course, you know, as you say, in individual games, there's a good chance you're going to, I don't know, you're going to miss a putt that matters. How do you get yourself set for the next, the next hole? Or you're going to miss a, a key serve. How do you get yourself set for the next serve um, when you're feeling really, really bad about what's happened? Yeah, it, 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 it is a big, uh, it is a big thing. And, and uh, you know, when we look at, coaching and what coaches have to do now you know all across all across the world you know pre-season's kicking in and all the coaches we're, we're digging out our old kit we're getting a new kit and uh, we're, we're all we're all starting up again so what what would be the one uh, takeaway thing mine that, that you know we should say to new coaches uh, that, that would that kind of sums up um the idea of red to blue and what what, what we you know what we do for ourselves and we can also do for our players? I don't know if this is one thing, but I, I would say that as coaches, um, I believe it's our responsibility to make mindset and mental skills accessible for our players and accessible for ourselves. Um, and I think, as Abby's brilliantly said, creating the environment and different situations where you can, you can practice those mental skills. I don't believe it's the responsibility of the sports psychologist in, uh, you know, in, sitting in the office. I'm not saying there's not a role for people to provide mental support, and mental health help where it's needed, but there's also a time for coaches to take on the responsibility to prepare their players physically, technically, tactically and mentally. And that, that means predicting the what ifs and making sure they've got good mindset strategies to deal with it. And that's that, that, that would be, you know, yeah, that's the, that's the big, big, big takeaway for me. We just got to keep banging that drum, get Red to Blue out there or get another perspective out there that will help them do that. 
Yeah, well, well, you know, like I said at the beginning, one thing's for sure, um, mental preparation um, it is key. And um, if you can use things like red to blue, then it, it's going to really help you as a coach individually to be able to deal with the situations that you deal with. But also it's going to help you coach your players to deal with those situations. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, I think that's a, a really key point today. Yeah, Dave, maybe one more thing. Maybe, Abby, how would you say you deal with, you know, when you think back when you were playing, what was your relationship with pressure? Did you like it? Did you, how did you feel under pressure? I just remember, like, the, I don't remember being under pressure a lot. It takes me back to, like, the the summer tournaments when it was, when it was pressure um, or being a young adult playing women's football at 14 and 15 with older players around in, and probably that experience coming off a bench, I mean, gosh, if I make a, make a mistake. But like Dave said, you have got the protection of your teammates. Yeah. So actually, like, forming those good relationships with others around you so you've got that support network um, was, I guess, a big one for me. I was lucky that I had parents who didn't wasn't shouting from the sidelines or giving me yeah. a match day team talk uh, briefing, like match of the day in the car on the way home. Um, and I think that's so important for like any parents who might listen to this. Don't go being an extra coach to your to your son or daughter. No. Um, but I probably just got on with it because it wasn't spoken about. You just had to deal with it. Um, mm. I think sometimes it's just finding that balance, like I said, to um, give players answers, but don't give them all the answers, um, mm. which is probably the experience I had. I had coaches who did shout inside. I had coaches who did put an arm around the shoulder. So I probably had a bit of an experience to everything. Whereas um, sometimes we treat all players the same. So it's just recognising, I guess, for coaches, what does one player need to the other? But don't always give them not that, what they want. Sometimes you've got to give them what they need to help them flourish, I guess. Yeah. Is that because it... Yeah, go on, Dad, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, I think, interestingly, the idea of support... Uh, for, for a coach is where you uh, is where, where you pick your assistant from. You know, that's why we have assistant coaches because uh, they can help us. They can be someone that we, we turn around and say, you know, who should we substitute now? Because even little things like substitutions, uh, when you're on your own and you're on the touchline and you can hear all the parents, even those things. So support is, 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 is one of the key ones. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is, which is one of the reasons why I think if you can, if you can move, um, away from a sort of prescriptive or um, uh, a, a, a sort of um, a way of dealing with mental skills as it has to be this way and just a framework that allows people to experience it and as Abby said learn then you learn and you build your mental skills on top of all of the other skills and and when these situations happen they're predictable you're prepared for them you're ready and you can move your, your you, you know you move your attention into a more helpful area and that can be young you know, young athletes as as much as they can be older, experienced athletes, and, and part of it is is you, different people have different relationships with pressure. And if you can start to think about helping them all see pressure as a it, look, it doesn't have to be an impediment. It can be a catalyst for performance. It can be something to drive you if you can just change the way you see it. And and that just takes a little bit of work, a little bit of deliberate work from the coaches, and a little bit of integration into the the training sessions. Definitely, as a coach, I know that having been observed over the last 18 months for a coaching qualification. And it, it's not a clipboard type of assessment. It's very much coming and supportive assessment. But um, like the first one, trying to be something you're not because you think someone's watching, so you must do it a certain way for somebody. 
to now just being yourself, knowing that it's going to go wrong. But like you said, really thinking about it and planning it and being clear on what you're going after. Um, but thinking about well, what if these players don't turn up? What if we only have one goal? What if this happens? What if? So having those, like being prepared, like you said, now I'm just much more relaxed going into it rather than uptight and all the stuff you spoke yeah. about, I could resonate from probably as a young coach being watched, whether it be for an interview or at a school and a teacher coming out to watch you on the school field, to parents watching you at grassroots, to now coaching and just being prepared, I think. And like you said, thinking of the what ifs. Yeah. I'm thinking of like almost playing through my session in my head or on a tactics board, whatever that might look like. So I'm, I'm clear on it. I think that certainly helps from pressure from a coach perspective. And like you said, Dave, you can't necessarily always plan for a game, but having somebody there with you and also thinking, what if the other team do this? So going yeah. in with already predicting what the other team may do so it can prepare you a little bit. And talking well, through with somebody I know helps me a lot. Couldn't agree more. Look, most of the stuff that goes wrong, it largely is predictable. And it just avoids you getting back in the changing room or in the, in the debrief room afterwards and going, if only we'd done that. You know, that's just got to be the worst thing you hear. So do some preparation, do your what-ifs. And that's, that's a really good thing that we could all do as coaches, I believe. Mm-hmm. And one of the things also, uh, Martin, I'd just like uh, to talk about is, is your... Uh, the courses that you do at, at gazing and how how they help coaches specifically the red to blue the red to blue course and um, uh, any coach listening who's really interested in doing that sort of thing can uh, can contact uh, you can't they absolutely yeah we, i mean we, we've got an ever-growing community of coaches all across the world right now we've got about 200 um and they're certified at different levels but we're working we've got a we've got an introductory level uh, that they can get in contact through capello and, and and come and join us and you know we'd love to have more and more coaches whether it's football or, or any sport um we start with how do you understand the role that mentality plays in in developing the ability to do well uh, so that's not sport specific it's just generally and then what role do coaches play and we start with acknowledging the humanity first because everybody's vulnerable to pressure in some way and, and acknowledging that and making as Abby said be okay with it is the first step in red to blue and then introducing just different ways of building your own mental skills as a coach and then the mental skills of the individuals and teams you coach is part of what we focus on in, in the program and uh, it's just great to have in, increasing coaches who've got in their hands these developing athletes. Yeah, no, great. And, and also, um, if uh, anyone's interested, if you come on to Capella, we have uh, Martin's written some stuff on there for us. Uh, and, and you can listen to the, the We've done another podcast about this as well. So um, there's plenty uh, around if you need to get some information on it. Um, but um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, Abby, Martin, it's been once again a very, uh, very informative um, podcast. And uh, I'm sure all the coaches that have been watching will be looking forward to going out with their teams and, and, and using some of the ideas that we put through today. So brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for further podcasts and check out capello.com to see how we can help you take your coaching to the next level.